morning kids. It's Saturday, July 2nd. It's about 6, 6.20 in the morning. Last night, the entrepreneur had a theater performance. She played, uh, she was in uh, theater for musical Wicked. Cute little theater um, in Oakland for, for kids. It was it was really fun. Last weekend, I got an email saying they have a couple spots for this for this theater camp. And uh, entrepreneur has done it before. You were in the Shrek musical, and so and we wanted you to get into a musical right in, for a theater um, performance. There's theater camp before, sorry, it's really bumpy. But all the spots are up, so when we got an email saying, hey, there's a couple spots left for, for this, I was I jumped on it. Um, so that was, oh, it was so fun to watch. And, uh, you were Elphaba from Wicked. Oh, and then you, and you came out, and it's just, uh, just really bright and... Really brightened my life to see you perform. It was so funny. It was so funny because you could not, you could not stop giggling during the performance. <laughs> it just made me laugh. And then later on that evening, oh, and so your. I'm sorry. Before I get to that, the people that showed up were, well, of course, all of us, your mom and me and your brothers your grandma and grandpa Soto, tall grandpa, as you call him, and uh, your great aunt Patty, my aunt. So it was, it was a full house. We had the entire front row, it was great. Later on that evening, you wanted brownies. Your mom made brownies for you. And you were telling us about how the director kept saying to you to, you have to stop giggling because <laughs> you're giggling through all of it so but you were great you sang the song Wizard and I and it was <sighs> it was it was great I wish you could do it every single week it was you were just phenomenal so I figured I'm going to start this Saturday with reading Second Kings I'm actually I'm actually um, what's it called uh, driving right now, so I can't do it yet. Oh. Maybe read a few chapters. Get some coffee at Pete's on the other side of this town. In a couple days is the July 4th parade. I think I mentioned it last podcast. And I was all excited to be in the parade with, with the king, because he's in Cub Scouts. And Uh, you need a parent to be with you during the parade, and then the king asks his mom to do it, to go with him, and uh, which is fine. I, I actually love it when you guys choose your mom over me. It uh, it it makes her happy knowing that she's what's it called um, important to you guys. You know, I mean. A, a part of parenting that you kids 
probably don't know, and why would you, is there's a, there's a little bit of competition between the parents. Not a lot, but like, I think more your mom than me. Uh, your, your mom gets jealous a little bit more than I do. I remember one time, and it's sprinkling in July. I don't get it. I remember one time, uh, so that's why you hear the windshield wipers, uh, occasionally. I was in bed sleeping. I was waking up, and the namesake was cuddling with me, but, like, really, like, he had all his arms wrapped around me, and he just put his head on my shoulder or my chest, and it was really, it was, it was really wonderful. And your mom, I think she'd been up for an hour, like, doing a lot of work, because she's a hard worker. And she walked into our room, and she just huffed and seemed really upset. And and I know why, because I was cuddling with one of you guys. And, and of all the children that love to just cuddle, it's definitely the king, the, the namesake. And he likes being with me more than anyone else, so... <clears throat> It's, it's nice. That's a nice, it's nice. So, I don't, I don't feel bad about that. <sighs> so anyways, there, there's a kind of a, it's almost like a sibling rivalry type competition. That at least I feel that I, I don't know if other parents have this, but your mom and I kind of do. But I'm, I'm very glad that the king invited her to ride bikes for the this parade. It's like a three and a half mile long parade. It's, it's a long, it's one heck of a parade, I'll tell you that. And so, so we will, um, so I, I don't know if the other kids will be in the parade or not, because there's a soccer float, so I, I don't know, but we'll, we'll see. Lots on my mind. A lot of things on my mind. I don't know how best to describe them. <sighs> I wonder what's on your guys' mind. I wonder what's really pressing on your hearts as you listen to this. Maybe one day you'll listen to it when you're one age and then re-listen to it when you're another age. You'll be there'll, there'll be different things. Different stresses, different prayers you have going. Nothing wrong with that. I think it was Muhammad, Muhammad Ali said this phrase. And, and I'm going to butcher it, but he said if the man that's 20 is, is, it's the same as the man that's, I don't, I'll have to figure it out, but um, very profound quote about growing up and maturing. tired. So today we're, uh, I'm probably going to check the hive and part of me hopes they're, they left where the hive is failing because so many people have been stung that I, I, I have to, I think I'm going to have to give beekeeping a rest for a while, maybe indefinitely. Is As happy as it made me, um, I think, 
your mom is just so terrified of, of the bees. Like, I don't think I could... She's already been stung. I mean, come on, I can't... I can't keep the, the hive going. And we just put the swimming pool up. But, but we're going to deal with that. We're going to try and do builds and have a date night tonight because last night we were at a show. <clears throat> Me and your mom. Hopefully you guys can do uh, some cleaning real quickly. And the namesake, the king, and the spy... All you guys really want me to finish this Dungeons and Dragons campaign that I've created. And I have a couple ideas that have not been fully see uh, that have not fully gestated, I'll tell you that. And I I don't have a lot of time to just plan a campaign. So I already know where you guys are, so I, I have to really figure out what to do and where you guys are gonna go. But I think I'm gonna I'll tell you this right now. Um, I put you guys on some mountain, and you just agreed to go after this evil being that's kind of in the shadows. Um, <clears throat> growing up when I was your guys' age, like, I don't know, like young children, Dungeons and Dragons was this huge thing, this huge phenomenon. And before, instead of learning about it, everyone on the conservative right called it demonic and satanic. It really wasn't at all. It was just a bunch of kids getting together, trying to think up adventures. And wow! So it absolutely was not satanic at all. And it was just that was a um, a great example of people overreacting and then not actually learning about something. So I I made sure you. You guys are interested in doing it, I would help, and I've been a dungeon master a couple times before for some of my other friends. Of course, the whole point of them wanting to do it was me being the dungeon master, which was kind of a compliment, but also um, <clears throat> kind of sad because I don't get to play. <laughs> you know, I have to, exp I have to like run it. I will like something I can today. Hey, can I get a large vanilla latte? Large vanilla latte is not hot. Hot, please. Alright, anything else for me? No, thank you. Alright, I'll tell you something else for Thank you very much. And, uh... So anyways, hopefully we get that done. We, we finish a few hours. I wanna... I wanna blow your minds with the twist. There's gonna be a twist, by the way. I'm going to make one of your characters, one of you guys in the thing, the, um... The evil being, without you knowing it. It's, a. Uh, <clears throat> It's what they did with um, this video game called Knights of the Old Republic. You basically play the game as a person with amnesia, and then towards the end, and it's like a it's a Star Wars game, and you end up playing, making certain decisions, and you end up getting your Force abilities back, and they you can with your decisions you make in that game you decide whether you're going to be a good Jedi or quote unquote evil Sith hang on one second good morning good morning that'll be six dollars even Thank you. 
and towards the end of the game, as you're playing it, there's one scene where like you go your memories back, and it's like, and it replays all the times you made all these decisions and whatnot, and you either become this evil person at the end or a good Jedi, and there's a different ending. So I'm. But I'm, I'm playing on that. Uh, one of the characters, I believe it's gonna, I'm going to make the spy. The overarching bad guy without him knowing. Or maybe all of you, I don't know. Either way, I'm excited for it. And it's not satanic. <laughs> it is not. But we tend to vilify things we don't understand. Or choose not to try and understand. That's that's not right. Thank you. Thank you. So here we go. Instead of driving all the way to the other side of the island, I say we go to the base. And I'll read from there. A few chapters. Not a lot. I'm just going to do three chapters. Last time we, I spoke, or I read, <laughs> Elijah was going to be taken up into heaven. And what's, you know, the most fascinating thing about that story to me is all these other prophets knew what was going on. They, and they kept going to Elisha, saying, hey, he's being taken up soon. <clears throat> What do you think? <clears throat> and Elisha was like, stop talking about it. <coughs> so God must have been telling all the prophets, hey, I'm taking Elijah up with me. In, in a chariot of fire, I guess. And that, so it's just like interesting that all these prophets just had this knowledge. And we're just talking about it. I, I, I imagine almost like a sewing circle. Like, oh, you believe Elijah's going up today? Oh, what are, what are, uh, <laughs> What's gonna be like, you know? I would love to know more about Elijah. He's probably the most fascinating prophet. He did the most crazy things, or God, excuse me, God did the most crazy things through him. And Elisha, who asked for a double portion of his power, he ended up doing double the amount of miraculous things, and I believe, my memory serves me right, he also brought per, more than one person back from the dead, one after he died, like they dug up his bones and someone touched his bones or something, something kind of weird, something you would not do today. Mm, I hope we have a good day today. Saturdays are usually our funnest days, but we do have to do a lot of uh, cleaning. Your mom really wants to do bills today, so that should be fun. Basically, doing bills with your mom is you just I just stand there and she does all the math and says, "Is that right?" And I'm like, uh, "Yeah, I guess." And, and so I'm I'm just there, just there, so we know what's going on. Oh. 
And I just woke up this morning in the bed with uh, the kings right next to me. And then, I want to say, the, the spy, and then the king. It's the namesake spy and king. So, trials two and four and three. And I just, it was in me to just read the Bible. Like, I, I gotta get up. I gotta read. So that's what I'm gonna do. It really helps me start the day. Reading. It really does. That's the Holy Spirit, guys, by the way. When you feel urged to read the Bible, that's that's God nudging you, saying, hey, you should come back to me. I'm, just not, I'm not gonna use my blanket. There's nobody around, it's just a force of habit. I'm excited for the King to be in the 4th of July parade. We see them every year, so I'm very, I'm very glad he, you put yourself out there. You became vulnerable, and it's a, Nice group of children, these Cub Scouts. Some of the kids I'm not fans of, but if they're not my children, I'm automatically not a fan of the kids. Um, vanilla latte. That's very good. I just tried it. That's really good. Navy base. It's it's not an official Navy base. You, you kids know that. I remember when it was. I remember when this was an official Navy base. In fact, I was my I was the entrepreneur's age, right now, twelve, when it was closed down. This Navy base. It's weird driving through here because it just looks like a I would call it an, an abandoned Scooby-Doo ghost town. There's a ton of barracks that are just all boarded up, and like a lot of buildings just completely abandoned. Some buildings are being used every day. When we play soccer here, it's we're just surrounded by abandoned buildings. It's kind of weird, a little unsettling, at least for me it is. Some buildings are completely destroyed. Some is just a facade, and, and, and the buildings inside have just been completely collapsed. Figure, let's, I'm gonna drive all the way out to where we, we can see the water. Get a vanilla latte again, that's really good. It's really good. Yeah. It's a 
very bumpy road. And I'm trying, it's like a really wide street. I'd say there could be three lanes on each side. And it's, it's all abandoned, so there's like a ton of tire marks. People wanting to, wanting to uh, peel out around here or, or do donuts. Be able to look at the water because all the places are kind of chained off. Hmm. Oh well. Maybe I will on this side. Let's look. Different spots in this place. Yeah. Just drive around this base. I look for a place to for us to. To stop. Oh, there's fog in the city. There's a place here where like a bunch of food trucks uh, park. This place is fascinating. It's just fascinating. You guys will learn how to drive car your cars out here. It's just desolate enough. You, if you make a mistake, you won't be able to see a car for you know, a few hundred yards. All right. Let's see. Where are we going? So, I try to make a point to be, um, what's it called? Oh, it's not going to work. I don't think I should be out here. There's like no cars out here. So I'm going to try and make a point to, um, To be as uh, what's it called um, anonymous as possible. I'm sure if people other than you four listen to this, and you guys don't know me, you'd be able to listen to everything and figure out where we are. I'll just out us right now. Right now I'm parked, looking at the water, and there's these sail drones in the water. I'm looking at. They're pretty big. Basically, I think sail drones are these huge unmanned ships that go out in the ocean and they do. Um, I think experiments, or they check the ocean water, or I, I don't know what they do, but they're doing stuff to, I think, survey the ocean, and they started here. I know one of the chief engineers of Sail Drone. Uh, he, he left Google, actually, to help start it up. And these are really fascinating sailboats. And then in the distance, about half a mile away across the water, is the USS Hornet. So, this is a nice, peaceful place for me to start reading Second Kings. Reading from my... See, it's, it's called the Cultural Background Study Bible. And what's cool about this Bible is it'll, it'll 
anthropologists and archaeologists write articles about what the culture was like in certain places. Oh, wow, I just saw a pelican dive into the water. Where did I got a fish? Did I get a fish? It got something. It's chewing something. That was cool. All right. Let's go to sick. Where is it? There's King's right there. Your mom just, she read uh, Ruth chapter one, but I want her to finish the four chapters before I start posting them. So hopefully she, after I do second King, she'll be able to do it. We'll see. Okay. <clears throat> so we're in chapter three. We only did two chapters last time. I'm hoping to do three or four today. But again, it's no rush. I'm just talking. This voice record app has been really helpful. I've been using it at work too. Okay. Chapter 3. Joram, uh, Joram, son of Ahab, became king of Israel in Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he reigned 12 years. Make sure this car is locked. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but not as his father and mother had done. He got rid of the sacred stone of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, said Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. He did not turn away from them. Now Mesha, king of Moab, raised sheep, and he had to pay the king of Israel a tribute of a hundred thousand lambs and the wool of a hundred thousand rams. But after Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So at that time, the king... At that time, King Joram set out from Samaria and mobilized all Israel. He also sent this message to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? I will go with you, he replied. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. By what route shall we attack? He asked. Through the desert of Edom, he answered. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. Uh, after a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, Shaphat is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, Why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. Ooh. <laughs> that is really, that's really good. Pretty much saying, Hey, why do you want to involve me? Go to those evil people. You talk to them. No, 
king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. But now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha, and he said, This is what the Lord says, I will fill this valley with pools of water, for this is what the Lord says, You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all of the springs, and ruin every good field with stones. The next morning, about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Now all the Moabites had heard that the kings had come to fight against them, so every man, young and old, who could bear arms was called up and stationed on the border. When they got up early in the morning, the sun was shining on the water. To the Moabites across the way, the water looked red like blood. That's blood, they said. Those kings must have fought and slaughtered each other. Now to plunder Moab. But when the Moabites came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and fought them until they fled. And the Israelites invaded the land and slaughtered the Moabites. They destroyed the towns, and each man threw a stone on every good field until it was covered. They stopped up all the springs and cut down every good tree. Only Kir, Harish, Harisheth, was left with its stones in place. But men armed with slings surrounded it and attacked it. When the king of Moab saw that the battle had gone against him, he took with him seven hundred swordsmen to break through the king of Edom. But they failed. Then he took his firstborn son, who was to succeed him as king, and offered him as a sacrifice on the city wall. The fury against Israel was great. They withdrew and returned to their own land. Wow. Wait, did they do that? It doesn't say whether he killed his son or not. That's insane. This is the offer him. Alright, well, chapter 4. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for a few. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it, on, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put it in put in it a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. 
One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down. He said to his servant Gehazi, Call the Shunammite. So he called her, and, he, and she stood before him. Elisha said uh, to him, Tell her you have gone to all this trouble for, for us. Now what can be done for you? <clears throat> can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, She has no son, and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, Call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, You will hold a son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. So don't mess with me, is what she's saying. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. He said to his father, My head, my head! His father told his servant, Carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly in return. Why go to him today? he asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at, Car at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you all, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my lord, she said? Didn't I tell you? Don't raise my hopes. Elisha said to Gehazi, Tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him the boy is not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. But he went he went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, uh, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room, then got on the bed and stretched out on him even more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. And he said, When she came, he said, Take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. And she took her son and went out. Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in that region. I guess, I guess for the next couple chapters, we're talking about Elisha's, uh, the miracles God worked through Elisha. So, Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in that region. While the company of the prophets was meeting with him, he said to his servant, Put on the large pot and cook some stew for these prophets. One of them went out into the fields to gather herbs. Herbs, not herbs. And found a wild vine. And picked as many of its gourds as his garment can hold. When he returned, he cut them into the pot of stew. Though no one knew what they were, the stew was poured out for the men. But as they began to eat it, they cried out, Man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. Elisha said, Get some flour. He put it in the pot and said, 
Serve it to the people to eat, and there is nothing harmful in the pot. A man came from Bel Shalashah, bringing the man of God twenty loaves of barley bread, baked from the first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men? the servant asked. But Elisha answered, Give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. These are signs that Jesus did later on. You know, feeding of the 5,000, more like probably 7,000. Uh, the firstborn son sacrifice, which I don't know if that happened or not in Moab. So these are um, things that Jesus did, raising the... He's raised a couple of people from the dead. Just like Elisha did with this uh, boy. But Jesus did with a girl. Okay. Chapter 5. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord has given great victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken a captive girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophets who is in Samaria, he would cure him of this leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of this leprosy? See how he's trying to tr pick a quarrel with me? Oh, I guess the king thinks they're being messed with. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farper, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them to be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Well, that's fascinating. I, I want to stop there for a second. When we ask God for a miracle... A lot of times God will answer, and then you people won't believe it. <laughs> this is one of these times where Naaman tra probably traveled hundreds of miles to get to Israel because they knew that, they, that miracles would happen in that country. And when one's given to him, he rejects it. I wonder what miracles I've rejected in my life uh, that God has given me. I, I hope not many. I hope none. I hope... Well, if you guys ask God for a miracle, or what you think is a miracle, and God gives it to you, accept it. And uh, be grateful for it. I have a feeling Naaman is not going to be pleased with, with his actions in the next few set paragraphs. 
There's some people walking by me. All right. Um, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said. After Naaman had traveled some distance, Gehazi, the servant of, of, of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, My master was too easy on Naaman. This Aramean, Aramean, by not accepting from him what he brought, as surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi, not good. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running toward him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. Is everything all right? he asked. Everything is all right, Gehazi answered. My master sent me to say, Two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means, take two talents, said Naaman. He urged Gehazi to accept them, and then tied up the two talents of silver in two bags. With two sets of clothing, he gave them to two of his servants, and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them away in the house. He sent the men away, and they left. When he went in and stood before the master, Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? He says, Your servant didn't go anywhere. But Elisha said to him, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or to accept clothes or olive groves or vineyards or flocks and herds or male and female slaves? Naaman's leprosy, leprosy will cling to you and your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence, and his skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Lot two. Lots going pack there. Gehazi seemed to be very devoted. A very devoted um, uh, very devoted to Elisha. Turns out, he was an opportunist. He he saw all that money. He was tempted by it, and he decided to ask for a little bit. There must Elisha must have had a rule that he didn't want them to accept money. I think for the same reason. See later on, uh, Paul refused to accept money. He was a tent maker and he paid his way traveling through Europe, preaching the gospel. So that's um, that's too bad for Gehazi. 
because for a while he's doing really great. If you look at the, in reading those chapters, Gehazi was with Elisha for years. So you figure Gehazi was there before the woman gave birth, you know, the rich woman gave birth. And as, this, you know, years later, there's like a time jump, years later, the kid says, out my head, and then Gehazi goes to, to um, be a messenger. So it's, it's too bad he let greed get in the way. I'm definitely guilty of that. I've let greed get in the way under the guise of, oh, I'll just take care of my family. One day, you three boys are going to be men, and you're going to be the heads of your own family. And we're going to unpack that phrase later, but what I'm learning is being a provider isn't just providing money. It's providing stability in the faith. And that's very important. And I hope all of all four of you remain committed to the faith of Jesus Christ. Because I love being with you. I'm not going to be on this planet a long time. I'm 42 right now. Let's pray to God I get 42 more years. The first 42 went by in a blink. I'd kind of very much like to... Um, I'd like to see and be with you guys for eternity. That would be nice. It's just eternity. That's the bumpy road. So, um, yeah, these are, I'm really enjoying reading these chapters. There's a lot more stuff's going on, and I like it. I like uh, the way they're written. More exciting, more stuff's happening. You know, some I'll I'll be a human about this. Some some of the passages kind of lag a little bit, and I, I really I, I could read these for hours. I'm not going to because I'm gonna get home and start cleaning, and maybe I'll make some waffles. I think waffles. I keep making pancakes. You guys don't eat them. I'll make some waffles, make some eggs. Of course, I'll make some linguisa with that. Because I love linguisa. I hope and I pray we have a, a, a wonderful day with each other. I love you guys so much. So, my I would give a what do they call it a benediction. I'll give a benediction. That's what I'll call these. Give your mom a call. Or give your siblings a call. Say, you would not believe what Dad just said in this silly podcast. Hang out with each other. Hang out with your siblings. Don't feel bad if you don't include me and your mom. I know. It sounds silly. Your mom's mom, your grandma... Whenever she would find out that your mom and her siblings hung out, she would always get really upset that she wasn't invited. That's 
Um, like, very upset. Like, they would have to do damage control. Be like, okay, what do we tell her? You know, how do we get past this? And, you know, it would be an issue. It's not an issue with me. In fact, it would make me so happy if you guys just hung out and I found out later, oh, you guys had a great time. Really hope you guys do that. And I hope you guys forgive each other. You guys aren't perfect. And I'm sure one of you wronged the other because he was he or she was just being uh, dumb. We're all dumb once in a while. Even purposely dumb. So I I would really strongly ask you guys to forgive and love each other. Because at the end of the day, you you only have each other as siblings. You're the only siblings you guys got. I only have my own siblings. As far away as they are. But they're still still my sisters. So, love you. Hey, even give me a call one of these times. Give your mom a call. Say hi. Or just pop in. I would love that. So... I love you. I'm proud of you. Beyond compare, I'm so proud of you. Just beyond anything. Um, and with everything you do today and forever, do it for the kingdom and the king. God bless. Great.